Hi, everybody, and welcome to another bonus episode of Cinemaholics. I'm your usual co-host, Will, and can you guess who's with me? I'm sure you can. It's my good buddy, Corey Woodruff from For the Win. How you doing, man? I am good, Will. How are you? I'm good. It's been a while since we had like a... It's been a minute. We haven't done... We haven't had like the perfect movie. Yeah. Because we tried to do Clerks and it didn't work out. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I totally forgot that we were going to do Clerks 3. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's been a little bit. uh, I know Mm -hmm. you did um, like a joint interview with John not too long Mm -hmm. ago. Yes. Uh, With uh, Kevin Perjurer of The Fun Club. Uh, but it's been a little bit it was since a very been... John and I conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's been a little bit since you've been on the show. Can you uh, tell mm-hmm. us what you've been up to? Well, um, just been writing. Uh, I've been, uh, you know, texting you. I've been, you know, walking my dog, watching movies, um, you know. Going back and listening to the fine catalog of Cinemaholics podcast. Just All right. Click a button and just listen to a one from like three or four years ago, just for the heck of it. Sure. But, um, yeah, just just living life. That's good. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad you're checking out the archive. Uh, we have a lot of episodes, and yeah, uh, it's, like, it's like it's it's as big as the Mark Maron archive now. Yeah, like yeah. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just uh, yeah, we're right up there with WTF with Mark Maron and quality mm-hmm. and consistently <laughs> consistency. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, we're here to discuss uh, a notable film, I suppose, in some circles, yeah. uh, and that is 80 for Brady, a, yes. let's say, vanity project for Tom Brady? Probably. It's definitely a shrine that is built to what, uh, you know, many would perceive as his greatness. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's uh, you know, it's probably going to be the only um, senior citizen driven comedy in history about people who love Tom Brady. So it's a kind of a, so once in a lifetime experience, that's, that's right. for certain. Yeah. I've been conflicted about this movie because it's something I love and something I hate at the same time. For one, it's, uh, yeah. it's a return to sort of female driven ensemble comedies that I felt were more prevalent, prevalent in, uh, <laughs> you know, like the eighties and nineties, Oh yeah. Uh, even the early two thousands, like it, it just seems like it's been oh, yeah. a while since we've gotten, uh, you know, women of a certain age being an ensemble starring in a film like this for a major studio film that's going into theaters nationwide. Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's kind of like that first wife club right. audience type thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, and yeah, as far as you know, four of our great uh, silver screen talents. You know, we mm-hmm. got. Let's see here. We got Rita Moreno. We got Sally Field, we got Jane Fonda, and uh, we got. Li- they say Lily Tomlin already, or day? Nope. Yeah, Lily Tomlin. Last but certainly not least. Yeah. yeah. And who's the star of the film? Which I didn't expect going into. I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be like Jane Fonda or Sally Field would be the star. Lily Tomlin is the the emotional mm-hmm. center of the film, which I was very surprised and pleased by. Uh, but yeah, it's this mix of like I I love that. I love it that they get to star in a major film like this. Get. Uh, you know, the studios such as Paramount are still funding and making movies like this, but we have to suffer, uh, the ego and the prestige of Tom Brady kind of giving Mm -hmm. himself a cinematic pat on the back to put it in PG terms for Mm -hmm. 90 something minutes. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I mean, I, very diplomatic way to put it. Yeah. Um, I'm not. The main reason I wanted to have you on outside of, you know, you're a great guest and you're my friend and I want to discuss this film 
uh, with you in particular, it's also because uh, you know way more about football than I do. I don't really watch <laughs> football. I watch one football game a year, which is the Super Bowl, which is fitting because this takes place mm-hmm. during Super Bowl. So I did see this game, which is the 2017 Super Bowl between the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons. And yeah. uh, this was a, uh, uh, I'll charitably say, a traumatic game for you to watch when it yeah. happened. Uh, do yeah. you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes. So I am a very, very, very big Atlanta Falcons fan. Like that's basically my sports team that I cheer for. I have I pick one that I obsess over, and that's it. Um, I've been a Falcons fan for a very long time, and uh, you know, for for years and years and years. Like I'm, there, there might be some people when they sit down to watch eighty for Brady that kind of don't know what's going to happen in the football game, which is you know. Very interesting uh, dynamic, but I would probably say that this movie would not exist if the Falcons had not blown a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl um, with about a half, a quarter and a half left in the game. Um, you know, to give context to the uh, non-sporty folks listening, uh, it's the worst loss in sports history, probably. Um, at least top 3-5. I mean, it's def- it could be one. Is that... Your objective opinion, or is that your fan opinion, or is it both? I there's an objective <laughs> argument for okay. it. Like it's it's a catastrophic loss on a huge stage. Like there are like NBA series and like you know baseball series where people will get up like three games to one, and then they'll end up blowing their lead by losing the last three or four in the series. Um, but at least in the football realm. It's it's certainly the most devastating single game loss. Um, just with the way that the probability was going to shake out, you get up twenty eight points, two three, um, and just the sequence of events that had to happen for the Falcons to lose that game. Um, it's it's very cinematic. Um, it's very maddening. I mean, there's a there's a whole movie to be made about how that happened. Um, you know, people have lost games of big margins. Um, so it's not necessarily the fact that they lost. It's just how they did it, where they did it, who they lost to, um, the way that the, the game got memed uh, into something that has lasted for the last six years. Like, all around, it is it is one of the defining catastrophes for a sports team and it just happened to be mine that endured it so when this project got announced i was like crap because i definitely knew i would see it because you know i like watching movies about sports and i have a grandma so i knew that this would probably fall up her alley and she'd want to go my wife wanted to see it um, but like I have tried to avoid watching highlights of this game as much as I can. Um, one time I went to the pro football hall of fame and then they had like a rotating theater and it was the year that the Patriots won. So I actually got trapped into a room and had to watch it all play out on a big screen. It was very bad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was terrible. Uh, was it was awful. So you've had to watch this game, relive yes. this game three times now and twice on the silver screen. Yes. yes. And that, <laughs> and they, they play clips a lot of it. I mean, it's a, it's a big game thing like i mean the, the 28 to 3 lead was a it's a it's a big 
sports story in the last 10 years. Like it's a, it's a huge, you know, one of the worst things that's ever happened to a football team. But if you're a Patriots fan, it's, you know, it's legend. It's the best Super Bowl Tom Brady won. It's, you know, the biggest feat of strength that he ever had. So if you're on that side of the fence, it's like the greatest thing that ever happened. But if you're in that very niche group of Falcons fans, it's, uh, it's basically like, I don't know. It's like, if you're in the movie audition, the, you know, the movie with the, the needles and everything, it's kind of like audition. Yes. Yes. It's like, if you're in that movie and you're just laying there and at the same time, like Nelson Muntz is just sitting there laughing at you all the time. That's what it felt like. It's just like, it's the most excruciating pain you could imagine, but everyone's laughing about it. Oh, man. Well, yeah. in that respect, I feel a little bad bringing you into this and uh, kind of dragging your hand in the scenes. But you were also pretty excited to see it. So it's it, you, you have that similar kind yeah. of push and pull relationship that I had where I'm like, yes. I don't want to spend money to see this film because I don't want to support Tom Brady because he's also a producer on the film. And I don't yeah. really want to support what's basically uh, Patriots propaganda, yeah. uh, you know, because they, they kind of, you know, do a little revisionist history here at times. They definitely make themselves look better than they are. I, I tend to yeah. look at the Patriots, like I said, not much of a football fan, but I tend to look at the Patriots as the, the bad guys. They don't really yeah. uh, always uh, play ethically or fairly uh, no. and win no, a lot. So. They've, uh, <laughs> they've had some problems with that. Yeah. And, you know, while Brady was there, especially it was, uh, you know, deflate gate comes to mind. Spy oh, gate. Like they've, they've had some big controversies right. over time. And, uh, you know, it, I, Tom Brady is in a much better spot now than he was during deflate gate. Yeah. I was generally wondering throughout the film if they would make a deflate gate Joker reference. Yeah. Uh, just because, you know, and John, cause he's probably going to edit this. He can, determine for himself whether he can keep this in or not i was kind of wondering if they would do because they're you know all four of these ladies well not all four of them but yeah. at least two of them are pretty randy that's kind yeah. of a source of uh empowerment and humor in the film i was kind of wondering mm-hmm. if they would do something where it's like tom you can deflate those balls into me <laughs> That was probably when he was doing his negotiating. He's like, no deflate gate jokes. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, there's there. He had his team of lawyers there being like, Mm-mm, yeah, nope. I, um, yeah, I mean, they they definitely prop up Tom to be as mm-hmm. you know clean and sterile as possible as a screen yeah. presence. Uh, though I will say, I mean, uh, no spoiler to say that he is a supporting player in the film. He acts a little bit. Yeah. Is this his first acting role since uh, Ted 2? I think so. Okay. I don't think he's done anything that notable. I can't imagine then. he's done much else. No. Maybe no, an episode a, of Entourage or something. I don't know. But No, uh, he, he's not going to be the next Nadami Asamunga. That's for sure. Sure. Um, who was the former NFL cornerback, obviously, who's transitioned to a pretty successful acting career. Yeah. Uh, um, didn't, but, uh, well, John David Washington was also a football player, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah he did. Um, but uh, the fun thing about Asamonga, uh, he was like... It's funny because you have a tenant poster right behind you right now. I do, yeah. yes. John David Washington. Um, Asamonga is kind of the new standard, I think, for athletes who have gone into acting because, like, it's interesting. He was like a high-paid cornerback, like, you know, big to do there for a while and then there's now like a legitimate like independent film you know benefactor and has turned in some really good performances um i don't think brady's gonna go in that direction i don't I'm just gonna make a go out on limb here and guess that yeah. uh 
Tom Brady's not going to win a supporting acting Oscar one day. No. Um, uh, you know who might, though? I mean, I should also say that the supporting cast uh, not only includes him, uh, but yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I, uh, let's see who else is in the film. Billy Porter? Um, yes. Who, uh, who played uh, Lily Tomlin's daughter? I should look up the cast. Oh, ca- Sarah, should- Sarah Gilbert. That's right, yes. Um, yeah, from Roseanne. Bob Bonabin was on the film. That was a surprise yes, to me. He was. Uh, Glenn German. That's right. Uh, but also, uh, as the trailers have, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, oh, Harry Hamlin was also in. I, sh- I forgot to mention. Mm-hmm. But uh, starting his Oscar campaign and his uh, mm-hmm. cinematic career is none other than Guy Fieri. Yes, Guy Fieri. Uh, and I think this will. Be maybe the only film in cinematic history that will co-star yes. uh, Guy Fieri and Bob Bonvin. Yes. <laughs> um, it's going to be the only film in history that shows um, Guy Fieri walking out of a, of, of an, of a port-a-potty. Port-a-potty. Um, as he begins a scene, yeah. To talk to and interact with Academy Award winner Sally Field. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> It's also going to be the only movie where Rita Moreno accidentally gets stoned and walks into a room of a bunch of Guy Fieri's playing yeah. poker. Um, yeah, that's... yeah. Um, so I don't want to kind of tip my hand too early, but we are about like yeah. 15 minutes into this. Uh, I'll mm-hmm. say, um, you know, despite my conflicted feelings going into the film and not really, uh, you know, having too high of expectations, just kind of just hoping for the best. Uh, I found this pretty charming. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I don't really endorse what it's doing as far as boosting up the, uh, the Patriots lore and, uh, stroking Tom Brady's ego, but as a little, like, quaint little winter ensemble piece, you know, uh, it's honestly kind of fun, you know? Yeah, I liked it. It's, you know, myth-making and sports is just kind of part of the course and you know i mean it's uh, the patriots dynasty is always going to be you know one of the most hated things that's ever happened but also it's just like there comes a point where it's like even the most begrudged falcons fan cast look and go you know i don't know it's kind of like that question like do you have to hand it to him like after everything that brady did like do you um you know i'm always on the fence i mean obviously he's going to be regarded as the best person to ever play quarterback. Um, but I, I, I really appreciated that this film didn't just completely overwork that aspect. Um, now obviously Boston sports fans are incredibly annoying and, you know, there's, there's always going to be that level of, you know, just Boston sports in general have long become, you know, one of the, uh, just uh, most annoying fandoms, most frustrating, you know, groupings of people who that in New York fans probably all kind of coalesce into the same, you know, Northeastern, you know, hub up, I guess of, of annoyingness. But um, I really appreciated that this film stuck to its concept enough to where you didn't feel like it was just a big commercial. Like there's actually a story here that's kind of playing off loosely something that happened in real life where these, you know, elderly women were all Tom Brady fans and I think probably went to the Super Bowl together and, you know, enjoyed everything. But um, I don't I don't know for sure if they went to the Super Bowl in real life, but there was like an 80 for Brady group of, of, of friends. Um, and yeah, I, it's it's hard to watch this movie and 
take it in and enjoy it and appreciate that it's a pretty good script. Like, it's it's definitely funnier than you would expect this to be. I don't know. I just feel like when people complain about movies like this, it's kind of like, this is exactly, this is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. Like, this, this movie is operating exactly in the lane that, like, it wants to operate. Like, it's accomplished everything it wants to accomplish. It's playing as broad as possible. It's going for the widest possible scope of people to just come in and kind of take their mind off everything for a little bit and enjoy something. And I don't know. I feel like, you know, you don't want to be too patronizing to a film like this and be like, oh, pat it on the head and go, oh, okay, you can go over here. But, like, I, I don't know. I just I appreciate that this thing really isn't trying to do too much that's not necessary but it's also taking itself seriously enough to where it's like the silly stuff feels like it's at least grounded somewhat by like a story and characters and as much as that's kind of cheesy to say like we've gotten movies like this where that has not been the case like we have not had any sort of commitment to anything but the jokes and i feel like this one at least had some parameters in place to at least kind of make it you know engaging in that respect yeah i mean it's kind of fascinating that this and um m night Shyamalan's knock the cabin are coming out the same mm-hmm. weekend and it kind of feels like a brief little return to like mm-hmm. that time in like well let's say like 2006 2007 mm-hmm. when it wasn't just always sequels always superhero movies always yep. blockbusters just like two mid-budget you know, mm-hmm. self-contained little movies, uh, not like totally original in the concept. Obviously, the uh, Shyamalan movies based on a book, and this is kind of based on a, a very loose, true story. But yeah, it just kind of feels like okay, these are just like this is what studios and movies used to be. Like we used to get mm-hmm. stuff like this all the time. Now it's just like yeah. uh, a flash in the pan, almost. It just kind of mm-hmm. feels something like uh, almost nostalgic in a way. Um, yeah, absolutely. But and- yeah. I don't know, it's just, if someone's going to savage this movie and just be like, this is terrible, blah, 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 it does make me kind of question, like, what were you expecting exactly? Like, or, I don't know, I just feel like there's a there's a way to read this movie in bad faith and try to, you know, make it something that it's not and try to say that it was trying to do something that it wasn't. And I don't know, I mean, it's like, this movie is literally called 80 for Brady. Like, if you can't understand that there are just some movies that need to fit in this mold for us to, like, keep certain genres of film alive, then I don't know. I mean, it's just like, everybody wants, I don't know, what 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 do you think is a comedy that gets kind of brandished about right now as something that people want this to be? Or, I don't know, I just feel like we, we create these very unrealistic standards for movies like this when they are just trying to kind of give people a good time and not trying to do too, too much. I don't know. It's just there's a weird dichotomy, I feel like, when movies like this come out that I think most people understand and appreciate it for what it is. But there's there's always that group of people that I don't think ever give movies like this a fair shake. Yeah, I mean, you kind of have to meet a movie like this at its level, I guess. Like, you yes. can't really, yeah. uh, you know, I, I don't want to give it, like, slack or like you know um yes. you know not if there is valid criticisms to be made i don't want to dismiss mm-hmm. those but i feel like the movie as presented here uh is pretty self-aware about itself yeah uh, in, absolutely. 
it, it, it focuses in on the comedy, but has just enough uh, emotional tenderness and, like you said, a story to it that it doesn't feel... It's not like uh gender swap grown-ups or something where it's just like them kind of yes. going around and doing lollygagging there's a little bit of that but there is enough yeah. of a focus enough of a goal here um that uh it, it doesn't feel like it's just kind of wasting your time and all that and it's yeah. benefited enormously i think by being a uh clean but maybe not especially lean 98 minutes yeah like i absolutely. feel like i'd be maybe less forgiving of the film if it was mm-hmm. 114 uh, yeah. 114 minutes like it that would have tested my patience that would have probably made me a little bit more uh uh negative but i just feel like because it goes gets in gets out kind of knows what it is everyone seems to be having fun comes up with some pretty inspired gags some like jokes that, like you said kind of generally took me off guard and made me laugh mm-hmm. pretty hard i don't want to spoil too many of them uh but like uh the i'm trying to think of one i can kind of give without spoiling anything but um there's a great gag at a nursing home about somebody just like falling asleep and oh, not that's and, a pretty like, good the people at the nursing home not wanting to like let them out and just like the shenanigans that come up from like little setups like that that you know help. yeah uh also that like there's like a like a support group kind of gag yeah like, that yeah. uh, I don't want to dance around. I don't want to spell too much uh, out, but the, mm. the reveal of that was so funny to me, and I thought yeah. that was a great oh, gag. Um, yeah, I mean, there's just like little things like this, and that, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's benefited by being just goofy enough to where mm. it's able to be heightened and cinematic, but not overly goofy to the point where it loses that sort of emotional sincerity and just kind of gets caught in the bombast of it. Uh, oh yeah, and and it really helps that you've got like this is not just like you know five or four or five random like women who are like popular on like a you know like a smaller TV show or mm-hmm. you know or like just do like stand up comedy like this is like Lily Tomlin, Jane Fonda, Rita Moreno, and Sally Field like that that's a heavy hitter lineup like that's that's like a murderer's row of Academy Awards and you know comedic legends and people who have been involved in like landmark projects. It's like, you know, uh, Lily Tomlin is, you know, probably in that like Mount Rushmore of like women comics and like, or people who have like women who've established themselves in, in like a comedy drama space. Like she's one of the main ones and Rita Moreno is an EGOT winner and Sally Field is a legend in her own right. And so is Jane Fonda. It's like, they really just got a very strong, quartet of people to come in and obviously Fonda and Tomlin have been friends for like, you know, decades and decades and working together for that amount of time too. So there's just, there's a lot of, there's a lot going for it. It's been, it was written by one one of the co-writers of Booksmart. So it's like, they definitely brought like real talent to the table here. Cause I think there's a much lesser version of this movie that you could make, but they just thankfully, you know, for the, for, for the movie's sake, didn't do that. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, um, the film is directed by, uh, I think his name's Cal Marvin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cal Marvin, yeah. Uh, and this is his directorial debut. But he was the star, producer, and co-writer of a film from 2020 that I loved. It was actually in my top 10 for that year. I don't know if you've seen it, though. Did you see The Climb? 
No, is that who this was? Well, it it's like one of the two guys oh. from the climb. The oh. the other guy uh, who directed the film, uh, Michelangelo Cavino, was uh, like an executive producer on. It. So they were both involved. Wow! In uh, that okay. film, it, it's kind of almost sort of uh, night and day because that's like a dark comedy that focuses like many years, but it's like mm-hmm. all. All like the little vignettes in that film kind of like are these extended one shots that kind of travel in and out of places, and it's like a lot more technically accomplished. And uh, it, it like compared to this film, which is a lot more kind of set in its ways, and you know mm-hmm. has some high concept uh, jokes and set pieces, but it's like a lot more stylistically plain. But yeah, that movie also is able to kind of balance the humor and the drama and the emotional tenderness in that case is sort of uh, complex, toxic male relationship that's kind of formed and uh, dissolved and kind of been in a weird place for many years. Uh, Yeah, that movie, highly recommend that film. I think you'd like it a lot too. Uh, Yeah, yeah, but it's kind of like, it's Funny that it's the same guy or one of the same guys as uh, the climb for 80 for Brady because it's like kind of the total opposite, but also like very fitting at the same time. That's that's these guys, and I do think that having, like you said, just the pretty established talent that like kind of rises above something like, say, Booksmart or sorry, Mm. not Booksmart, uh, Book Club, (laughs) yeah, Book Club, I meant definitely above both of these but sorry no um, i meant to say book club and like palms which i feel like are kind of contemporaries yeah. i feel like are mm-hmm. easier with like the comedy and and the jokes like like there's nothing terribly yeah. surprising here and nothing that's like truly inventing the wheel but it just seems yeah. a lot more uh like i said kind of inspired and a lot more yeah. uh uh joyful i guess compared to those films which kind of settle in a way that it's I not would, like it's not trying to do like the nancy myers ripoff thing because there were a lot sure. of bad movies that came out of trying to respond to that movement of, mm-hmm. of you know of female centric comedy like there was there have been some really dumb you know just very low hanging fruit type things that kind of play into more basic tropes and you know like you know it's it's the I enjoyed books book club to a certain degree but like that one definitely is reaching for a more crude I don't know. It's like not to say that 80 for Brady has this like high comedic standard, but it's like it's holding itself more to a bar than something like that is. Yeah. It's just kind of like, you know, just making the obvious jokes just to make them. I don't know. I just felt like Book Club was a lot more uh, kind of self-pleased with itself in the sense of like, oh, can you believe that four women of a certain age are horny and have <laughs> – sexual thoughts could you believe it and yeah (laughs) i don't know i just i felt like that movie was a lot more kind of pleased with itself uh no pun intended there uh Mm -hmm. in a way that this movie uh yeah no it's obviously you know you know it's it's a a friend dramedy more on the Mm -hmm. comedy than dramedy but uh drama i mean uh but yeah i mean it's, it's just like you know it's pretty sweet genuinely yeah. kind of sincere in its intentions uh outside of the propaganda of it all <laughs> yes, uh, yeah it's, it definitely you know like uh, i'm sure that the uh the crap the robert Kraft family threw a little bit of money under yeah. the table to uh kind of help get the patriot stuff going yeah. in this and there's some cameos from like rob gronkowski and julian edelman and uh danny amandola so it's just like mm. this is obviously a a friendly backyard type event sure. for for boston sports but and again if you morally can't support 
Boston sports because of the evil that comes from cheering for one of those teams. I definitely understand it. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. We, 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 the Boston sports are a scourge on this country, but um, you know, that's why that I can, that's why I can't go to Boston. It's cause I, I would get in trouble too quickly, mm. but um, no, I mean, but it's like, you know, it is a, it is a throwback. Like there is a certain level where it's just like, I do miss just like, going to watch a very low stakes movie like this on like a Saturday afternoon and just kind of, you know, it's kind of like the same reason I enjoyed plane, which I don't think is like a great movie by any stretch, but it's definitely like, I don't know. I feel like some of these movies are starting to come back with a little bit more quality than some of the stuff that came before it. Cause plane kind of surprised me. I thought that was going to be stupid, but it was actually pretty good, uh, you know, for what it was trying to do. And this kind of is the, the female centric comedy version of plane. Like, you know, if you're going to make two random comparisons, I kind of enjoyed them about the same. Or I was kind of like, yeah, you know, that was actually pretty good. And if we can bring those movies back and make them a little better than their predecessors, then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Especially in these type, this time of the year when you're, you know, doing Oscar catch-up and you, yeah. know, you don't really have high expectations for what you need right now in terms of new releases. And if, that's, if that can be the space for these movies to kind of make a comeback, then I'm very down with it. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of wondering, and this may be me being too optimistic, but uh, studios are kind of learning that, hey, you can't uh, just make six movies that cost $180 million yes. plus each yeah. uh, and make a profit or rely on streaming entirely, uh, that the yeah. bubble is going to pop there, that maybe you have to make some movies that are small to mid-budget that uh, you kind of have to roll the dice on it. But if you make six or 12 of them, maybe... Uh, Eight of them will do well, and you can turn a profit at the studio. Well, this uh, year is we're really it's doing well like that that mentality because so far of like major twenty twenty three releases, Plane has done well. Um, a man called Otto has yeah, done well, overperformed. Yeah, overperformed. Megan is yep. maybe going to knock at hundred million potentially. Yeah, um, uh, the whale's also doing well. I heard the whale is doing well. Um, the whale as well. Um, the searching. The missing, the searching, oh, yeah, missing is spinoff, yeah, yeah, right, searching spinoff, missing, yeah, yeah, yes, searching, missing, uh, <laughs> finding, they're, they're finding out that the box office, yeah. and that's pretty good. There you go. Um, and now we're getting eighty for Brady and Knock at the Cabin, which could also both be pretty modest little hits. Like, I think it's kind of like it's about the budget. I mean, if you can make these movies for like ten to fifteen million dollars, like, and and you know, get like one or two recognizable faces in it. And put it in a time of the year where it's not being overshadowed by because that's the nice thing right now is like Avatar has been taking all the box office pull for the blockbusters and then people are kind of like well I've seen Avatar Avatar is really the only other thing out yeah and if we can create a system where it's like there's like one blockbuster one or two big ones a month not in the summer and you can have all these smaller movies like the cocaine bears that are coming up and things like that that Mm -hmm. can pull the attention away and kind of build more of a backbone for that stuff to come through like you know I don't think the future is bright for the Babylons of the universe at all. I actually kind of feel like that one may be more of a eulogy for that style of film. But yeah. I actually think – I think you're right. I think there is a bright future for moderate investments that are original or based on a book or think, or have people in them you recognize. Like that's proving that that kind of like 35 to 80 audience of you know non – young young people are coming to the theaters they're coming back like and, and again i think that 
I think it's been a promising year so far for where movies are going in terms of us wanting to build this type of movie back up. Like, there are some things that are, you know, I kind of feel like that people got way too dramatic during the pandemic talking about theaters. Like, I think that they're hurting, but they're not dying. Like, I think it's like the difference of a, of a broken leg and a, you know, stage four disease. Like, I think that some people thought that, like, this is over, theaters are dead, streaming is king. But now you're saying that streaming is taking a huge hit now that investors are wondering, like, when that plateau was going to hit, which it always was with the subscriber counts. Like, there's just not much more people can do to get people in. And now the streamers are having to adapt to their economic realities. And Netflix is taking away password sharing and you know there people are adding more ad peacock is getting rid of its free ad tier so it's just like theaters are they're gonna start to become more of a thing now that people are much more comfortable going out of the house like there's more opportunities the the, the volume isn't where it was pre-pandemic but i think that now you're gonna start to see that uptick so you know there is a certain type of movie that i do think isn't a bad straight which is kind of that our tour passion project, more heavily funded prestige film. Like if it's even like Steven Spielberg, the Fablemans was always a strange movie to think it was going to be a huge success, but it definitely underperformed. And that type of a movie, unless it's being made by like Martin Scorsese and, you know, someone's going to pay for it. Like, I, I don't know what the future holds for something like that, but I do think that the 80 for Brady's and planes of the world are actually in pretty good shape. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, there's a lot to di- kind of dive in there, and I don't know if this yeah. is the necessarily the forum to do that for a review <laughs> for AD for Brady, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, it's it's a little hard not to be a little doom and gloom at times. Like I know yeah. Regal closed a lot of its theaters, including yeah. like a pretty prominent one, in Times Square. So mm-hmm. it is kind of a battle of like, okay, like you know, you'll see success stories like mm-hmm. you said, like all those films kind of boosting up, especially coming off of the fall where a lot of those movies were underperforming yeah. or tanking. But it does kind of seem like Avatar, uh, for as much people bemoan its lack of cultural impact, is kind of doing the same thing that the first one did around yes. like the start of 2010, which is remind people like, oh, yeah, I like going to movies and seeing movies yes. in theaters. Or perhaps they're going to see it. The screenings are sold out. It's like, well, we're here. We yes. got the babysitter. Uh, mm-hmm. Might as well see Megan or Plane or what have you. Yeah. Um, so it does, it seems like it's kind of benefiting the other films around it, perhaps, oh, yeah. and uh, kind of give sharing the love a little bit, a little, uh, you know. So I don't know if that's the case for eighty for Brady. It's going to be a test, like you said, in the sense of like, are people, uh, you know, thirty five, forty or older, still comfortable going to the movies? Uh, it seems like you know it's catered more towards the younger, mm-hmm. uh, you know, teenage to, you know, 30 to 35 audience have been more comfortable to go to movies. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll have to find that out later, but, yeah. uh, yeah. I, I feel like Tom Brady would tell us to just keep going and, yeah. you know, keep playing and, you know, it's a war of attrition. Like we, you know, losing theaters and losing, Losing theaters by number and losing the theatrical experience, I think, is going to be the biggest. Like, because I think that the biggest threat to theaters are going to be the smaller locations, the company's mismanagement, the rural areas. Like, you know, you and I live in big cities. Like, we're probably always going to have access to to some to a very pretty healthy theater environment, but you know, that might not always be the case for you know somewhere 30 minutes to an hour outside of where we are. So I think that's, you know, and they, hopefully the 80 for Brady's of the world can help, you know, 
salt that a little bit, but we'll see. We we we, we shall see. Yeah. Um. In any case, uh. Well, for one, we should mention that it's kind of fortuitous timing that we're recording this today because uh, like less than 12 hours after Mm -hmm. I saw 80 for Brady. And I do want to talk a little bit about my theater experience for 80 for Brady Mm -hmm. because I'm very curious if it was similar to yours. Um, He announced that he's retiring for good, he says, Uh, which kind of makes the last scene of this film without giving too much away kind of funnier. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And already dating a film that hasn't even come out yet a little bit, but that's Mm -hmm. neither here nor there, I guess. Uh, Do you have any thoughts on Brady calling it quits? You know, it's kind of one of those things where it's kind of like after last year, you're like, "Eh, is he really done? Like he says it's for real this time because he tried to retire last year, then he unretired, came back. His season did not go well. And they won the NFC South, but that was a very, that's where the Falcons are. It's a very bad division. He's, he's been humbled a bit. Uh, He's, uh, you know, going through a divorce. Yeah. Uh, Had his first losing season, I believe. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, you know. It's it's uh you know it's it's weird to see it all kind of play out like this. I'm sure he probably regrets coming back this year because it just didn't go well at all. But um, you know, it's it wouldn't surprise me if this really is it because it it doesn't seem like he's he's going to attract a lot of fanfare just organically. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of who he is. And just, you know, he's one of the most famous athletes on earth and the biggest sport on, you know, in America right now. So it's just like, there, there's always going to be some attention that goes to him, even, you know, 10 years from now when he's not for sure not playing, but you know, if he came back, it wouldn't shock me. If he's really done, it wouldn't shock me. Like, it's just kind of like one of those things where you kind of know what you get, with who he is and how he operates because he's just he's he's very consistent in that regard that is one thing i will say about brady is he's very consistent um so you know he's always going to find some way to make the situation about him uh, eventually and he's signed this huge broadcasting deal with fox to be part of their a broadcast team um which i could get into the whole complexities of that um and how that some people don't know if that's the best idea for, but we won't get into the broadcast talk there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's very funny that he chose to retire the same week a movie comes out about him. That that's what kind of has a, yeah. yeah, that's what makes that me kind of uh, curious yeah. if it's kind yes. of calculated, like because he's a producer yeah. on the film. If he's kind mm-hmm. of like, well, maybe I can kind of spur some people to see the film. Oh yeah, this is gonna, this is gonna help the film's box office. Like, there's just no question about that. Like. The the box office for this film was never going to be like Avatar money, but like they're going to pick up some business because of this is happening. Because it's like, oh my gosh, like Tom Brady's done. Oh, there's a movie out about him. I'm going to go see the movie. Well, um, yeah, like, and it's like yeah. free press for the film because it's like oh, people are talking yeah. about Tom Brady. It's like, oh, by the way, there's yeah. a movie that hap- about him. You know, yes. uh, that's coming out in two days. Oh yeah, I mean he's 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 printing money from this. He's gonna make money off the movie. Like he's he's definitely strategic. This 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 is partly strategic. But then again, everything with Tom Brady is strategic. Yeah. Like he's kind of like Taylor Swift of sports. Sure. Like everything's very calculated. It's just like we're not just putting this out there on a whim. Like there's there's a very set business model for the reason I'm doing these things. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's other entertainers that kind of have that same mentality. LeBron James is very similar. Like mm-hmm. there's there's a there is a path that I'm going to take that I know that is going to make me money and I'm a big, 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 big deal. So this mm-hmm. is what I'm going to do. It's what I always do. That's yeah. life. It's well um, that uh he's gonna get in the television though, because I I find the be fairly 
uh, lacking charisma as a screen yeah. presence. Yeah, uh, and like right now, Greg Olson, who's a former NFL tight end, is in the he's got the job that Brady would go into, and is doing a tremendous job. So there's some controversy right now, being like, why would Fox get rid of this guy? Um, but broadcast careers can be very short lived. Tony Romo is an example of somebody who entered the game very strong at CBS and he's really floundered as of late. So it's a, it's a different world going into the booth. Like it's, it's a, it's, it's one of the hardest jobs that people I think take for granted being, they, they, they think it's easy to just go sit there and talk about football, but it's, it's very difficult. I mean, there's, there's no question about doing the color commentary, especially yeah. is it's, it's hard. Not everyone can be Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> Yeah, there's only one Terry Bradshaw, and sometimes that's not a good thing. <laughs> oh, you, are you anti Terry Bradshaw? Uh, you know, Terry Bradshaw is just such a singular personality, but he can. He had a moment recently where he got a lot of flack for like kind of taking over the Eagles NFC Championship trophy ceremony, and he kind of just like. Oh, is that right? Yeah, he just he got a little got a little too uh, shenanigan heavy and uh, got a little got, had a little too much fun with it. Okay, but he's, uh, he's he's an enigma. I will say that sure. he's, he's a very he's a fun personality, but he's he's definitely an enigma. Sure. Uh, did you ever see Ferrier the launch? By the way, no. I, I know he's like a pretty big actor in that. Sure. Um, yeah, that's a funny thing. That's a fascinating film. Mm-hmm. Uh, not not really. Actually, it's a pretty mediocre film. Yeah, but it's fascinating for him because yeah. He's it's like his only acting role, as far as I can recall. Like unless he was like in the longest yard or something, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I think that's his only acting role. He's not playing himself. Like he's playing a character. He's playing Matthew McConaughey's dad. Yeah. Uh, and like he's not. You know, he holds his own. Like he's fine. It's mm-hmm. been a while uh, since I've seen it. Um, but he has uh an extended nude scene in the film. He does. Yeah, that's correct. Okay. Yeah, and it's just like funny, like in uh, you know, because I'm from Pittsburgh. He's obviously mm-hmm. a Steelers legend, and yeah. uh, it was a source source of controversy as far as like, mm-hmm. well, we want to support Tom or Terry Bradshaw, but like we don't really want to see him <laughs> nude right. on the big screen. That's uh, the wrong type of immaculate reception. Like, yeah. Uh, R.I.P. Franco Harris. While we're at it. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, forgot it. Yeah, um, but yeah, I remember the review at the, in the local paper was just like kind of devoted to that scene, where it's just like <laughs> never in all my years of reviewing a film did yeah. I expect to see Terry Bradshaw's butt. Not in anything, not even a comedy. He really needed to be covered up with a terrible towel. Like that would have been. <laughs> yeah, like uh, like in This Is Us or something. Um, yeah. Any case, uh, do you think this movie had too much football? I thought it was a pretty. I mean, sure of the Super Bowl highlights. Yeah, cut them all out. I, mean, I don't want to start and watch that again. But like, gosh, I, I was literally sitting there like, the yelling, cut. like trying to not to yell in my seat, being like, "That's a hole. He didn't catch yeah. it." The, the, the Edelman catch. I still don't think that's a catch, but you know, I'm biased. Uh, but yeah, it's. I, I thought that it was a sports surrounded movie, and I appreciated that. That's kind of the. They kept that pretty prevalent throughout but i didn't feel like it was overwhelming um i think if you're not a sports person you can still go sit and enjoy this for sure i mean i don't know i just kind of felt like towards the end like it got yeah yeah, for the end for sure it, it got was, a little heavy on the football and i felt like eh, yeah i don't know i kind of felt like maybe uh brady as a producer or maybe the <laughs> uh the patriots in general is kind of like what mm-hmm. if we you know it'd be great for this comedy if we just yeah. had more football it's like well it yeah. doesn't really add to the comedy yeah but it'd be kind of cool 
Yeah. Let's have him go into the coach's booth and just start helping the coaches. And the coach is being totally fine with that, being like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. Uh, I was a little surprised that uh, Brady got to drop the F-bomb in this. I, I thought it was like, uh, Brady was like squeaky clean, so I thought it was a little surprised. Oh, no, he says he says lots of F-bombs. Uh, he gets caught on the sideline swearing a lot. Um, oh, yeah. And temper tantrums were really bad for him later in his career. Like, he broke a lot of tablets. So that was kind of a he, – he, he got known for some, some – he can be he can throw some hissy fits, that's for sure. Hmm. Uh, but I was going to ask you uh, – so I was kind of wondering throughout the film uh, mm-hmm. if there would be like a Dolly Parton cameo because, you know, we have two of the stars yeah. from um, 9 to 5 in this. Yes. I was kind of thinking like there would be a fun scenario where if they like ran into like – uh, it's Matt Ryan is the quarterback for the Falcons at the time, right? Yeah. If there was like Dolly, Bette Midler, uh, Goldie Hawn, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Diane Keaton are like, they, yeah, like they they also have their like mm-hmm. eighty for Brady happening at the Super Bowl at the same time, and they like kind of just cross paths. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, it's uh, a happy ending for the one, and just like this mm-hmm. dark tragedy that's happening. <laughs> For these other I would four ladies, related to that movie a lot more. I was wondering uh, if maybe we could pitch that if this does well and kind of uh, explore the spinoff possibilities for uh, <laughs> eighty for Brady. What would that movie be called, though? Uh, probably um, crying for Ryan. Yeah, crying for Ryan. That's right. <laughs> that is perfect. Um, and uh, uh, Glenn Powell would make a great Matt Ryan because I don't think Matt Ryan would want to play himself in that movie um, but yeah that would uh, the 80 for Brady cinematic universe is going to be um, and there's like would you just like follow what other NFL fans do that weekend like there's right. a bunch of Dolphins fans there's some Steelers fans sure. um, yeah there's just like there's like a whole cinematic universe you can build here yeah um, um. yeah yeah, a whole movie about Guy Fieri, what he's doing this whole <laughs> yeah, weekend. Right. What did Guy Fieri do during the Super Bowl game? You know, let's find out. Um, and then there's just Maybe like for Fieri. Uh, an extended shot of him in the outhouse. We only see it from the uh, the outside, but just like extended, like 10 minute non broken <laughs> shot. That would have been a really good post credit scene. It's just him getting stuck in porta oh, yeah. potty and just in there banging on the right. door, being like, hey, can anyone come help? Uh, it's Guy Fieri. Yeah. Star of the uh, television and now silver screen. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> did you guys, Did you know that Dumpters uh, dives? Or what's that show called? Uh, oh, drive-ins, drive-ins, and dives. <laughs> drive-ins and dumpster, dumpster dives. Or that's whatever. a different Guy Fieri show. Oh, okay. that's, that's, that's later in his career. Um, diners, drive-ins, and dives. That's it. Yeah, that ended in 2021. Apparently. Oh wow! Did it really? I, according to IMDb. Damn. Maybe he's got to like slow down a little bit. He's getting a little older. Like, I think he's actually do doing more now. I think he's like really. I think he has other shows. Like he's like oh, the face yeah. of the Food Network. I'm surprised he like is. Food Network didn't like co-produce this movie or whatever. They, they're probably running a lot of advertisements. Um, guys, yeah. Grocery Games probably yeah. had an Easter Brady theme right. uh, Super Bowl episode. Uh, do you see? Do you foresee this film leading to more acting roles for Guy Fieri? You know, um, I'm surprised that he's not going to pop up in Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, That's true. Yeah. yeah, a lot of a lot of different ca- castings for that, and uh, that would have been that would have been entertaining. Um, what I want to know is uh, what is the better Super Bowl set movie? Was it this or was it Baby Annette riding her father out during oh. Annette? Even though that was called the Hyper Bowl, but it's the same. <laughs> 
I want to uh, see that movie, but instead of Lady Gaga doing a halftime in this, it was Baby Annette yeah. saying, like, Daddy kills people, and then they go back to the game. <laughs> I was thinking last night, what did they do at the Hyper Bowl after that happened? Like, did they finish the game? Like, they saw, like, a whole half. It's like, well, this little marionette puppet just said her father murdered people. Mm-hmm. But we got a great second half yeah. coming up. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, Mike, that did not go as expected. And yeah, I'll tell like you the- what, but... Uh, Henry McHenry is in real hot water now. We don't we don't know what he's. Gonna- <laughs> That's going to be one for the ages. Anywho, we got some football to talk about here. <laughs> That's right. Um, you know, uh, everyone in the locker room is pretty affected by all this. Yeah. A lot of baby Annette fans in there, and uh, yeah, you know. yeah. No, I don't know. I mean, uh, I'll always go with bad for baby Annette. Uh, no, <laughs> no offense to the four lovely ladies in this film, but baby for baby Annette. <laughs> baby for baby. Yeah, Brady for baby. Brady for baby. Uh, no, That's yeah. right. I want to see a movie where Tom Brady is trying to help. He steps in to become the father that baby Annette needs. Yeah, there you go. Once uh, <laughs> his uh, yeah. So once uh, well, yeah, I, I don't want to spoil Annette for people who haven't seen it. Um, in any case, uh, final thoughts on eighty for Brady. You know, um, it's solid. You know, it's not. It will be funny to me because Diane Warren co-wrote the song. If this ends up being an Academy Award, nominee. I was thinking that too. You know, honestly, yeah. I saw her name in the credits. I'm like, I swear, if 80 for Brady it's becomes possible. an Oscar nominee, it is very possible. Yeah, like and then, uh, and the, yeah, it would get Dolly Parton at the Oscars and Cindy Lauper. Like, we could legitimately see a world where it's like 80 for Brady has an Oscar yeah. nomination in and year. like whomever uh, Tommy Lee Jones has to be on the Oscar stage and say 80 for Brady. <laughs> they, they get Rob Gronkowski to go to the yeah. Oscars. And, yeah. But uh, that's the thing that, that could happen. Diane Warren's very shameless and she'll do her lobbying. So oh, she, yeah. needs to stop. she needs to just like take her honorary Oscar and just chill. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Cause like, um, I, I haven't seen tell it like a woman. I have no idea if it's a bad or good film, but I'm like, that movie doesn't exist. Did anyone watch this movie? <laughs> it's, it's the new alone yet. Not alone. I mean, that's uh, it's yeah. like one of those J Ralph songs from those documentaries that gets nominated. Yeah. People giving poor Andrea Risenborough a hard time. Let's look I into know. this one. Yeah. Yeah. Diane Warren's been doing that for years. She just like, she has like a Rolodex of people she calls to get that nomination. Apparently. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, anywho, uh yeah, no, I don't have yeah. to agree with you. Uh it's yeah. a very sweet, uh yeah. laid back, charming movie. Kinda gets in, gets out, exactly yeah. what you expect it to be. Uh yeah. fun movie we'll give to watch. It a for Brady. Yeah. Uh yeah. fun movie to watch uh yeah. with your parents or your grandparents, honestly. I mean I took it's, my grandma and my wife and they both had a good time. I, I was gonna time. ask if they got to see it, so they had a good time yeah. too. Yeah. Yes. Nice. Did you get the weird music video on your screening? No. So I meant to uh, tell you about my screening experience, but I want to hear about this first, and I'll tell you about mine. So before the movie, they just played like a music video for the Diane Warren song, just showing clips of the movie. It was the most awkward thing I've seen in forever. It's just like, it's just, it's Dolly Parton, who's great. And, you know, I I pass her house all the time in, in Nashville, but like, it's just so weird. It's just like they just play this music video and it's like little clips from the movie. They basically like spoil a movie for everybody through the music video. <coughs> Excuse me. But um, yeah, very weird. I, I, and then the movie starts and you're just kind of like, I feel like they probably should have saved that for after the film, but I don't think anyone would have been there. So, yeah. That's fair. Um, yeah. So when I got the email invite for this uh, film, mm-hmm. uh, I was told it was going to be an IMAX. And, <laughs> and I 
was like, I need to see this film <laughs> in IMAX. Because what is that? God intended Brady yeah. ready to be seen. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that was, uh, I guess, a misprint, or I don't know what happened <laughs> if they couldn't reserve the IMAX screen. But... for Brady was partially shot with IMAX cameras. Yeah. Um, but yeah, can you imagine, I mean, especially for you, like watching this film mm-hmm. in IMAX, that would have been the, a torturous experience, <laughs> I imagine. It takes up the full screen. It's <laughs> like a, it's on 70 millimeter film. Right. It's just like, it's right there. Uh, but no, I mean, it's been a while since I've had like a screening like this where, mm-hmm. uh, you know, usually just screen the film and there's like 10 yeah. jaded film critics there and, yeah. you know, you just kind of see it, give your thoughts at the end, go about mm-hmm. your day, uh, write your view at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, this is like, you know, a pretty packed house uh, wow. and they had uh, a big game set up where people could like throw footballs to like win on t-shirts <laughs> or whatever. And they had a full DJ like blaring music in the, the wow. theater. Uh, can That's you guess like some of the songs that are being played? I'm sure you can. Like celebration, and some cool in the gang came up in there at some point. Uh, uh maybe think a little bit more modern, but not. Oh, um, happy the Pharrell song. Good guess on the right path. Uh, not that no. I don't remember that was that wasn't played at least when I was there. Pitbull on the right path again. Not uh, not there though. Post Malone. Uh, no Post Malone. Actually, there's a great Post Malone joke in the new movie Theater Camp at Sundance. Oh, yeah. I never thought that would be a thing, but it's got the it's got a great Post Malone joke. Yeah. Anyway, I was uh, well when I came into the theater, blaring Black Eyed Peas, Party Rockers <laughs> in the house tonight, um, <laughs> and then we instantly went to LMAFO, <laughs> and then Cotton Eye Joe. <laughs> the perfect three, yeah, for Brady for Brady. Um, lots of elderly people probably getting up and dancing in their seats. Yeah, um, it's like Mom and Me on Broadway. Everyone's just having a party by the end of it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I think with that, yeah, John's gonna kill us for doing another hour-long episode on one of these movies. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that gun that Corey and Will did it again. Yeah. No, it's funny you say that because like anytime he's left his own devices, he like produces mm-hmm. like 20, 30 minute episodes. Like he did that for mm-hmm. the menu, yeah. uh, Violent Night or whatever. Uh, two of the ones that couldn't been about, could have been on. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. like, oh, I, I told him like, yeah, we're gonna do eighty for Brady, Corey and I. It's gonna be nice. It's like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's probably. You know, I'm sure he expects it by now, but probably thinking like, mm-hmm. oh, maybe like 18, 20 minute review, whatever. Yeah. Nope. No, no, Clocking no. in maybe, uh, oh, we can push it to an hour if you want. <laughs> I don't know if that's ethical. <laughs> uh, uh, I haven't gotten uninvited from this podcast yet, great. so I've just kind of learned that you know, we've, we've been doing this a long time now. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, since we're talking about the Oscars, anything else you want to say about the Oscars to pad this episode out to an hour? Um. You know, I'm glad they didn't rescind Risenborough's nomination. That was good. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, that was dumb to. I mean, I, I get that the campaign was weird, but it's like that's what everyone does. Like, it's just it's just not, it's just a person in seventh studio. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, movies wise, um, you know, uh, if maybe this is a fun hypothetical. Like, what's the? Is do you think that like I don't know, like who would win in a fight? The 83 Brady women or the cocaine bear? Because, like, they've got the uh, power of friendship, and the cocaine true. bear is a bear that's, like, you know. It has the power of cocaine. Yes. Um, and there's a cocaine joke in this movie. That is true. Yeah. Very uh, strange. I think, 
I mean, for as much as I was, uh, you know, knocking the film for not doing deflate gate jokes, I think they do mm-hmm. a couple uh, dick jokes, right? They do. And there's yeah. an eyes wide shut joke, too. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah. Stanley Kubrick's eyes wide shut makes an appearance in 80 for Brady. Yeah. Um, but sorry, yeah, to answer your question, uh, I, I think it would be a close one. I think but, Rita Moreno and the bear would really be the big yeah. fight. Like, I, I, think I, think, if, uh, I think Yeah. I think if she took those drugs again and saw the yeah. bear as Guy Fieri, <laughs> she could win. <laughs> That's the thing. Guy Fieri also should have been in Cocaine Bear. Like there there should have been another thing we could have done to make that happen. Yeah, I mean I guess like uh, if you were to think like, oh, Guy Fieri's in a new twenty twenty three you know, early twenty twenty three movie, your first guess would probably be Cocaine Bear. Mm-hmm. Are you dreading that movie and all the internet stuff that's going to come with it? I'm not dreading it. I'm kind of wondering if it's going to be another Snakes on a Plane situation where it's like that. the internet kind of hypes it up and they like, yeah. like, oh, it's going to be a big deal. And then no one shows yeah. it up to see it. I can see that. I don't know. It's either going to make like $100 million or it's going to just flop. Look at that fish. Um, now, I think it's going to help that movie that Ant-Man's coming out the week before. And it can kind of siphon the people who aren't going to see Ant-Man audience. Um yeah. Also, how the heck is there a third Ant-Man movie? Like that's that's the death of film. Like how how the heck are we doing three freaking Ant-Man movies? Ah uh, man, you were so optimistic about film uh I was, 15 I minutes was. ago. I was. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Then they came out with the third Ant-Man. Yeah. Um I can't say I'm too excited about the new Ant-Man, but I I, mean, I don't know anyone I'm who is. The major, so it's kind of Yeah, hard. that's a big thing, yeah. But like I feel like anytime I see the trailer for that film, there's like no real like audience excitement. It's just kind of just like, well, it's so perfunctory. Yeah, it's like Quantum Mania. Yeah. yeah, but it seems like it's going away from what was fun about Ant Man, which is like yeah, it's just very low stakes, kind of cheesy, a little bit yeah. of sci fi mixed in there. The the most interesting thing about the first Ant Man movie is you can see all the Edgar Wright residue on it, right? Um, and it's just like. Sometimes the movie becomes like just really inspired out of nowhere, and then it just kind of goes back to being like TV. Mm-hmm. Um, what could have been? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, because like, like the second one, Ant Man and the Wasp, was a little bit more in the vein yeah. of like Peyton Reed's uh, yeah. style. Yeah. So like I can kind of see the appeal of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Just like the only thing every time I see the movie that gets people excited is the the old guy from I Think You Should Leave doing his little yeah, joke. Right. Yeah, and that and it does not look like that type of movie at all. Yeah. It looks like they're going to do that for like the first 10 minutes and yeah. then it goes into this like super serious Right. But no, it's, I can I can, I can feel the audience like getting excited like that happens, they get excited mm-hmm. and then the quantum media stuff happens and the audience just like, whatever. Mm-hmm. It's Spy yeah. Kids 3D all over again. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that was the very first movie I ever hated. Really? Okay, I yeah, liked it as a kid, one. but why'd you hate it? I don't know. I loved the first two, and I remember going to see that and was like, that's really not good. Um, I was so excited because I thought the Spy Kids movies were like the standard for mm. what you know, kids' live action could do. Did you and have the glasses on wrong? I, no, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, just remember I the, can't the, see anything. Heggummit. This <laughs> Sylvester Stallone character makes no sense to me, but it's maybe because my glasses are backwards. Um, but, uh, yeah, that um, – I remember I looked at my grandma when that was over, and I was like, I really hated that movie. That was not very good. And she was just like, I didn't think any of them were good. And I was just like, yeah, yeah, you know. She, she took some bullets back Welcome in the day. to my world, kid. <laughs> yeah, she's just like, oh, crap, I had to sit with you. This is the one you yeah. don't like? 
Yeah. Now let's go to Applebee's. Yes. I, I remember I took my great-grandma and my grandma to see Osmosis Jones in 2001. Oh, I can only imagine what my great-grandma, who you know was alive during the Great Depression and World War II and all that, thought about Osmosis Jones. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I was just imagining like the end of um, Babylon, <laughs> yeah. but with your grandma. And it's just like Osmosis Jones. It's just that scene of Bill Murray eating the egg yeah. and just going down, and it's just or the scene where they're at the club and Kid Rock is like a mitosis yeah. or something. But like she's just processing the history of time and the evolution of technology <laughs> while watching uh, Bill Murray just like you know opening his mouth full of food and all that. <laughs> that Kangaroo Jack, Crocodile Dundee, Collision Core, all yeah. the greats that you know the Scooby Doo movies. Um, um, well, you brought up uh, Annette. Did you want to tell your Adam Driver story? Um, yeah, so I almost interviewed Annette. Uh, excuse me. I was supposed to interview Adam Driver, but then they gave me baby Annette. I actually interviewed the actual wow. baby Annette. Yeah, it was crazy. I can't wait for um, She uh, – a lot more foul mouth than you'd expect. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, Hollywood changed her. This is totally not making the episode. John's totally going to cut this off. Oh, I'd, I'd be very curious to see what's going to happen here. But uh, <laughs> you want to end it now? Yeah. We, we made an it. hour. All right. Yeah. Bye, everybody. Bye.